Welcome to Life Hurts God Heals. I'm your host, Kirk Flagel, and I'm really excited for the show today because I get to introduce you to my friend, Jane Post. If you've ever struggled or are struggling with the loss of someone you care deeply about, then you will resonate with Jane's story. She is about to take us on the journey of loss, of losing her 16-year-old son who was killed by another 16-year-old. She's going to walk us through her journey of grief and forgiveness, of tragedy and triumph, of victory over victim mentality. And as an added bonus we didn't plan for, you also get to hear from Jane's two songbirds who show up and add in their two cents often in this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Well, Jane, thank you for being on this show with me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's a double pleasure because I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. Forever. It seems like forever, but it hasn't been that long in reality. Maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow. One of the other pleasures in this is that I know about your story. Mm. I know some of the heartache that you've gone through. As we talk about on the show, Life Hurts, God Heals, and I know some of your hurts. Mm. Yes, you do. And I know the power in the story, what God has done through those hurts and how he has healed you and other people. Mm-hmm. So there's one particular story Mm. that I've asked you to share. Yes. The story. The story. There's always the story. And this one is defining for sure. And it happened uh, in 2003 here in Henderson, Nevada. Uh, We had been living here for three, four years, almost had moved from Tahoe. And our 16-year-old son was with us. And my 17-year-old son was living with his father in Oregon, and uh, one night we were at work, and we returned from work to find out that uh, that evening my son had been crossing the street on his bike and was hit by another 16-year-old driving a truck, and in that moment their lives connected in a way that one died and one almost died spiritually and emotionally. Mm -hmm. So there was two young teens that just collided that night. And um, the story, the pain, a uh, parent losing a child, uh, the accident aspect of it, the immediate death, the sudden death, trauma, all that kind of stuff. And then the brother not being here and his spiral and spin uh-huh. out in life and his stepsister and just where her life was and how it came back. But, you know, God in it all. Yeah. God in it all. And the. Uh, the thing was, at the time, I had been following Jesus for a while, so my faith went from theory to reality, because everything I had been talking about was tested in that second. The minute they say your son is dead, you you don't believe it. You think you're in a joke, you think you're in a dream, you, you want to be, you want to wake up, is what the feeling is. And so we all kind of had our different grief pattern in it, but... The Lord, in his way, you know, has a way of prompting me or telling me stuff. And so I wondered about the person that was in the accident. Yeah. And, of course, you have the people going, are you going to sue? Are you going to, you know, you have those people. Yeah. And then my heart was with, oh, my gosh, a 16-year-old just killed someone. I wonder how that person is feeling. And do they know Jesus? Because I know where my son is. I mean, the minute he died, he was instantly in the presence of the Lord, you know. 
So it was kind of like, he's there. I'm not there yet. I He can't return to me, but I'll see him again. So while the pain of losing him, that phantom limb, I was like, okay, there's another person that could spiral out and spin out. I'd read enough to know that when people have these traumas in their life, they can become addicted, they can hurt others, they just spiral, their life just becomes... And a living accident that just goes on and on. And so at the funeral for my son Paul, I got to meet him. He was from another faith. He came to the funeral. He went he to the same school. People at the school wanted to hurt him. I heard all that later. But uh, I had my son's promise ring in my pocket. And he came up to me. And the first thought that came to me was, give him the ring. I was like, what? You know, that's you, God, because it was so out of anywhere, not a thought I even had. And so he came up to me with his little trembling lip, and he, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just kind of looked at him, and I just said, uh, you know, I'm so sorry this happened, and I forgive you, and I want to give you this. And I just grabbed his hand, and I put the ring, and I said, this ring is the symbol of my forgiveness, mm. never-ending this was an accident. It was horrible. You never wanted this to happen. If you could take it back, if you could, you would. But I want you to know that I forgive you, and God forgives you, and he loves you. And that began a relationship with him, and I started meeting with him, and um, he came to faith. And uh, I know he's now, he, at the time, he was working towards becoming a, um, an attorney to help those escaping, those, those that needed asylum. And he has uh, three small children. So his life went on, and I'm sure he's still marked by that scar, but Jesus showed us his scars. You know, he didn't say, I'm all healed, no scar. Right. So, you know, he has a scar that changed the trajectory of his life, but had I not taken that moment to forgive someone the way I had been forgiven, I could have held on to revenge and anger and, you know made it my cause, you know. I mean, even the organization MAD is Mothers Against Drunk Drivers MAD. You know, I could be mad, grief. There's an anger in stages of grief. But I think it was so sudden, it was so traumatizing, I just felt out of body for a lot of it. So mm. there's that kind of, when, when am I going to feel normal? And I don't think you ever feel normal when you lose somebody you love, particularly a child, because it's the wrong order you know, parents go first, then, you know, grandparents go first, then parents. So out of order, out of sync, but an opportunity uh, for me to believe what God says, know that my son is safe, he's in the best place ever, I'll see him again, I will return to him one day. So there's that. Do I miss him? Yeah, when we have things like, oh, he would have loved that, or I would have mm. loved to have seen him grow up. And I would have loved to see what kind of person he would have become. You know, that that kind of stuff. That's all good. But he's in the best place. And I have to trust that he's in the best place. And so I didn't want to be that wounded person that every time he said, Hi, how are you? How's your kids? My son died. Like, I didn't <laughs> want to be... You know you know how you meet those people, and then all of a sudden you're... You, I don't know how to act around you. I'm, I'm walking on eggshells. It's... It's the defining story. It's every story. It's always, it's the first story. It's, there's never any other story. While that moment was defining <laughs> in who I am as a person and a person of faith, it was not the moment that I was just going to stay stuck at. Yeah. It was like, this is part of my life. Death is part of our lives. 
I got to be in a club I didn't want to be in. I got to experience yeah. something who would ever think of. But then, you know, I got to hearken back to when he he was named after my brother, Paul, my son. He was named after my brother, Paul, who had passed away when he was a year and four days old of viral meningitis. Uh, at about a year old, my son, Paul, got meningitis. And so my family of origin is freaking out, thinking history is repeating itself. And I remember just grabbing him and just shaking him and said, you will not die on me. And he didn't. Wow. You know, I mean, it was like that mother speaking life, but then I'm thinking of Hezekiah, he was given 15 years. You know, like God extended maybe perhaps what I wasn't going to have originally. Who knows? God yeah. has it all worked out. But I had him for 16 glorious years. 14 of those, I was a Christ follower, so I was a better mother than had I been prior. So I was grateful I had a relationship. I taught him about Jesus. I loved him a way a mother who knows the Lord loves a child in a new and different way. So... My sense of self and my Catholicism had waned a bit. So had I been fully Catholic, I would have thought it was punishment for some venial sin I had done. Hmm. So being just a Christ follower and just loving Jesus and following Jesus and, and really believing who God says I am and who he is, it was horrible. And I would never wish it on anyone. And it's it's a moment that you don't want to relive ever but I'm living with it mm. in, in a faith sense. Yeah. So, and then when I, when I think about how I wanted to be through it, I didn't want to disarm people or lose my ability to relate to people or just be that poor woman over on the side. I couldn't wait for the day when I wanted to get to heaven to see Jesus first and not my son first. Mm. Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. So my treasure was my son but then I had to make it in right steps that my treasure is Jesus and then my son just happens to be there. So it's not, I'm not running into the arms of my son when I get to heaven. I'm running into the arms of Jesus and then can I see my son? Mm. You know what I mean? So that took some time. That took some time. And I never really, I think I was far along in my faith enough to not ask the question, why, but who? Who are you, God? Who are you, God, that this, what happened in my life? What is what is the overarching story of my life? What does this do? And with it, I was able to write a book. With it, I was able to speak to people. It, it opened me up to a whole new group of people. I, I still get phone calls, messages, emails, Facebook from people who have experienced something similar where a child is lost. And then I get to kind of come in having walked that road, and, and many are very different. I never say to somebody, oh, I feel the same way. There's none of that, that because no one's ever going to feel the same. We're all unique. We're each different individuals. But I can at least hold their hand or sit with them like Job's friends and not contradict or convict or call, call names or say, what did you do, to, but to just sit and cry. Mm. Sometimes that's all you need to do in grief is just sit, feel it, own it, be. And I've had friends who have had miscarriages where I just lay in the bed with them mm. and just cry. The, the words, you know, like, happen for a reason, or you'll get over the, all those things that people say, I know they're trying to be kind, but they, they just, you know, we don't need words. We just need your presence, which is why COVID has been so bad because the presence of people 
is missing and funerals you know when 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 you're at a funeral and you're looking at, for those faces those people that knew you and knew them there's that moment of closure there's that moment of i can i can muster on it's going to be hard but i can muster on so how how i was explaining in my book no future without kayla gilmore edited for me i took the road of two roads how i had been had i not had god and how i had am because of God and just the story and how it plays out. One of the things I realized is when you lose a parent, you lose your history. When you lose a spouse, you lose your present. That's your operating system. When you lose a child, you lose your future. So there's that part of you that will not be realized. And you can't put that on anyone else. You know, So it's not like, well, I have another son, so I'll just put all that stuff that I had on that one son on that son. can't do that. Or, or my daughter, or anybody else, or be mad at people because they're not grieving the same way. So Eric and I, my husband, we grieve differently, and I couldn't be mad at him for grieving that way because <laughs> he wasn't grieving the way I was grieving. But I did grieve, and I did mark moments. I set up um, a scholarship at Coronado High School for the music department. I planted trees. I let balloons go. Whatever, whatever things that could... Just lift my spirit and give me breath. And then I cried mm. on the outside for about a year. And then on the second year, it was on the inside. And then I chose to cry in the shower. So I wasn't crying and breaking down in front of everybody. So you're trying to manage your life without going to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> and so, you know, I was like, okay, Lord, I want to I grieve appropriately, and I don't want to do it in a microwave. I want a more crock-pot grief. I want it to be right and good. Slow. Slow, good. And you know me, I'm like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> uh, so the Lord helped me, and Scripture was so comforting. It was just the best. You said there was a difference, mm-hmm. right? You When you wrote the book, you took two journeys mm. to see what the difference would be mm. between going down the road of losing your son and not following Jesus mm. and the road following of following Jesus and mm. and losing your son. What was the road when you imagined it, the road of fo- of not following Jesus and losing your son to, you know, be ripped from you from somebody else. What what did you see in that? Uh, I saw all the statistics that they say about couples that lose a spouse. Seventy percent um, experience divorce. Eighty-five uh, percent uh, fall into addiction. Blah, 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 blah. So I just played it out. I played it out that down that road, I'm divorced. I'm addicted. I slowly lose my life and become more internal and don't care about anything or anyone and just wanting to die. But here's what I know. You can't die of a broken heart. I'd be dead. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I had to learn to live. And so the road that I took in this fictional account of what would happen was the one that was the angry road. It was believing punishment or not believing in God, not having that sense of who I am and love and trust of a creator God, one who creates, one who gives, and one who takes away and have to be okay with that. And our time is our time, and we have a shelf life. We all have one. <laughs> you know what a I good mean? way of saying it. Uh, well, you know, I had a friend who said, you know, I wish you would stamp it on the bottom of our foot. Okay, that's the year, you know. But because I, I read stories of people who had overcome such 
crazy odds and we're still alive. Like somebody's falling through an elevator shaft, 30 stories, you know, shaken up a little bit, walked out. I met a guy who had been hit by a wrecking ball. Oh my gosh. He had a little bit of a limp and he had a little bit of, you know, a, a speech aphasia. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So like, but then there's other stories of, you know, a baby just taken in the night with SIDS. And it's like, well, how come? You know, like, and they're still trying to figure that out. And so what I, what I realized is that I had to play out that story without God because at my heart, I'm always going to be the evangelist wanting you to know that the answer is Jesus. Even though you have pain, this will help you through. I meet so many people that are so wounded and broken because of what they've done or what was done to them, and they were never released with forgiveness. The forgiveness I received from Jesus was immediate. So we're to forget immediately. Now, what does that look like in the real sense of it? You might have to repeat it a few times to yourself, and you have to live it out, and you have to, you have to think more of the other than the self. And so I think for me, it was because I had been forgiven much, I had to. That's what it is, yeah. true Christianity. I've been forgiven, redeemed, bought with a price. There's no one on this planet that that doesn't apply to. Mm. None. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so the, the living mechanism of my faith, when I said it went from theory to reality, is I'd been in the book, I'd been studying, I'd been attending church, but... After he died, a year after that, and I'd always been in ministry, gave birth to a pastor. Mm. So that crucible, that thing that's like, this is real, this this, this is the thing I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. That's what was born out of that. So Out of that death. Yeah. And the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Going back, you mentioned forgiveness being a journey, right? Mm-hmm. It was immediate. Oh, yeah. You knew immediately that you had to forgive, mm-hmm. but there was a journey involved in that. Would you mind walking us through, like, I, I think even the moment of finding out, like, mm-hmm. how did you find out that your son was gone? And what yeah. was that that time between that moment and the funeral? What mm-hmm. was, What did the journey of forgiveness look like? in that well yeah uh, so we were coming home from work and there was like you know caution tape all around our neighborhood we couldn't get in we couldn't and and there was I was struck by something I'm normally not the person who stops and gawks at a I, I normally pray when I see an accident I just raise my hand right away and I just Lord you know be with the first responders the people know death please and if there is you know be with the people like I, it's just a prayer every single time and this one I, I start to pray and I go Eric let's go let's go around there and look it, like I wanted to know and that was odd and then I went to myself why do you want to know that's bizarre why it's because it's around your neighborhood or something so anyways we we come around the back road we come in some friends were staying with us and the first thing out of my mouth to my friend was where's where's Paul she goes he hasn't come home yet and I knew like I God preparing me, intuition, just gut, or I don't know, but I knew. And then the police, you know, I sent Eric out. He went, they told him first, and then he brought the police and they told me. And um, here's the thing about people who lose children. I didn't know this, but they send a police officer to watch the whole for 24 hours. What? Really? Because figure fear of suicide. Because a mother or father's lament is so great. They just they want to die too, 
so I had this kind of shadow person with me, you know, so it was really weird. Couldn't really sleep, and then I was remembering scripture, and then I was reading scripture, and then I was like, okay, Lord, um, this is different. I don't know. You're going to have to handle all this, because I've never experienced this. I don't know how this goes. And then I think uh, it was the next week we had the funeral, so it was pretty quick. Like two weeks out? Uh, less than two weeks, uh, but it was less, yeah, it was more than a week because my ex-husband couldn't come and or was moving at the time, so yeah, less than less than two weeks, but right in there. So when I didn't, I didn't, I didn't prepare a speech when I spoke, but I knew that I because he was so young, I wanted to make sure that the young people that would come would hear. There's hope after this. Like, this is tragic, this is terrible, we are sad, but we will persevere, we will go on because of God. So I knew there would be that. My training in theater and all that came in, kicked in, you know, just stand there, just be truthful, just, you know. So I was able to to kind of muster through that. But the scene with Tommy at the reception was just, that was just God. That was just a moment. But how did he get, did you invite him? I did not, but uh, the family was part of um, the school, and it was happened at a school, and you have two students at the same school. Mm. He was the first class of Pornado High School. So The first class. Yeah, he was the first class. So it was a big thing. The school had just opened. Blah, 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 blah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. So it was, it was bigger. Most people, when they deal with this, it's on a, a lesser scale. It, it just was big. When did you have that sense that you were called to forgive, like when did it rise up in you? And what was your uh, first it, it, reaction? It, it didn't right away. It wasn't, it was It was. Not, I was worried, like what happened to him? Like is he okay, the person, And because you're thinking accident, but one is truck, one is bike, you know? Yeah. Paper, scissors, rock, it's gonna, you know, yeah. truck crushes bike, that's yeah. how it works. Uh, I, I asked questions like, had he been drinking? Was he speeding? Was he, you know, like you, you, you kind of go into this mode and then got the police uh, report and then because I know who he was and you know I said I would forgive him at the funeral so it was after I was I was at a grocery store and Tommy's mother walked by and I knew it was his mom or kind of she looked familiar and I remember but nothing you know I'm walking doing my grocery shopping which was the weirdest thing because I'm going to pick stuff that he likes to eat and he's not going to eat it and you know oh you're in this whole gosh. realm she comes up to me Hello, you're Jane, right? Yeah, I'm Tommy's mama. Okay, you're not going to sue us, are you? I mean, that was her thing. And I go, no, I, I would never do that. And she just collapsed in my arms. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm holding a woman. She's just sobbing because she just maybe, the forgiveness was real and true and pure. And that's not how we do it in the Bible. <laughs> Doesn't say sue. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was like, what, what am I going to get? What am I going to get for suing you and ruining your life? And so I, I just kind of, she was sobbing and I held her. And that was a moment. Then, you feel like that was release for her? Oh, or? yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure they're still waiting, you know, with this. <laughs> there's no there's no time on anything anymore. You can sue 50 years later. And it's like, what? no, what? It was an accident. Unfortunate accident. Um, then I met with... Tommy, he asked to meet with me, and then we started doing a Bible study together. We did the Peace Child. This was before the funeral or after? after. So at the, so she collapses in your arms. Yeah. So like 
this this visceral mm-hmm. experience of almost like a release yeah. off of her because you were telling yeah. her no. Yeah, no, I'm not going to sue you. That she took that burden. So you, yeah. Yeah. you took a burden yeah. off and, of her and, shoulders. You know, when you feel the power of Jesus, when it says what you loose will be loosed, what you lock will be locked, boom, I felt the, the whole weight of the future of her son. Oh, just coming right off, she collapsed. Like I'm sure she was just worried. And then, you know, I met with him for a while. Then he went off to school. And we kind of, you know, I didn't want him to think I was the creepy lady that was trying to replace my son. You know, that weirdness. And uh, heard that one night he had lost the ring and was digging in the rain in the backyard looking for it. Like that ring meant a lot. It sealed the deal. You know, it was just a token. But because I had made the moment to look in his eyes and say, I forgive you completely the way God has forgiven me. God forgives you. I love you. God loves you. Like, it was just that, and I couldn't make that up. God just came right through me. You know, when Mm. you're there, what am I going to say? Boom. I'm like, here's the ring. And then unbeknownst to me, someone had watched that happen. And they were able to relay it back to me, how it looks. I'm like, that was the weirdest thing that I just did. It wasn't planned. I didn't sit at home and go, I'm going to bring this ring. And when I see him, no, I was holding on to the ring because it felt like a part of my son. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there I was. While his life was gone and his was right in front of me, it felt like I was returning his life. It, oh. it was a weird divine spiritual trading spaces. Like, you know, but then I was more concerned for his ultimate destination in yeah. life. And so um, I had a little one-year memorial at the house, and that night I gave a, a call to faith, and he received Christ that night. Wow, a year later. Mm-hmm. How, what that person said, they told you how it looked when you were handing him the ring. She said she couldn't look. She had to turn away. It was too holy. She wow. Look. She felt like she had to look away. I was like, whoa. Because it meant because the Holy Spirit was just orchestrating that whole moment. It reminds me of the scripture that Jesus says when you're taken before kings, rulers, governors, don't worry about what you mm-hmm. are going to say. It will mm-hmm. be given to you. Absolutely. Right? That's totally what happened. It was one of those. And first of all, I I have the gift of gab, you know. We've been in class together, so I was never at a loss for words, but in that moment, it wasn't prepared in advance. It wasn't anything like that. It was me just being really close to God, hearing what he said, and Mm. seeing it. And the thing about my new life in Christ is that is a very different reaction than I would have had had it been 20 years prior. What did it do for you? It released me. Because I think... At the end of the day, forgiveness, <laughs> it's for us too. Because what's on your mind? What's in your heart? What are you festering? What are you What are you bringing up? What are you digging up? Yeah. I was so grateful that he felt as I'm a mom, and he's also someone's son. And if we were to all maneuver in that, imagine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Imagine. Because I, I just think in this, political climate in this world right now with the COVID, everybody is looking for a face to punch. 
Yeah. We all want to pound a flesh. We all want to punch a face. So by forgiving immediately, because I had been, you know, I'm being obedient to the word. I'm, I'm, I'm living the word. That mm. word that I had been memorizing through the navigators, mm. through it filtered, was coming back into me times a thousand. It was being brought up, remembered, and I want to be an obedient follower of Christ. So I'm going to do what He says to do, and I'm going to say what He says to say. I'm going to live the way I should be living. That was just that moment that just it culminated all in that. And so being able to release him, now I know he has a relationship with God. Mm. Good. Like, I don't, I think of my son often, but I don't think of it as a spoiled thing. Because mm. I, I choose to not just be sad every time I think about it. I think of how funny he was. I think of... We, he was like a mini me, and we could laugh at stupid things. And you know, I just, I, I, I wonder, I wonder what he'd be. Nah, he wasn't meant to be that long. I got him for 16 years. Thank you, thank you for that gift. Yeah. Not, I didn't have him for 40 years. No one's guaranteed that. So make the best with what you have, and then be grateful they had it. Yeah. And then the grief, the grief part of it is allow yourself to grieve. Don't, you can't just get over it. Yeah. Try to get over it or take a pill or some. No pill is going to fix that. There's a missing piece always. But if you know the complete story, then you know where the piece is. You're good. Yeah. You're good. So who, mm. You know, and then, and then the thought was, well, God gave me his son. Why can't I give him mine? Like, who am I? Mm. God slowly helped me mend my heart and to and to love again and keep loving and the family is big and there's going to be lots of loss there's going to be lots of gain there's going to be lots of birth there's going to be lots of death in the kingdom too that's why the church is awesome because mm. I have zillions of sons spiritual sons and spiritual daughters and spiritual grandmas and grandpas mm. and great wise people that have lived stuff that can comfort and you've got to allow yourself to be comforted and then you have to understand find a way how you are comforted because I don't think people know like I'm upset right well what comforts you I don't know so they just stay upset like so comforting for people maybe breathing calm cool collect you know being with someone who just hugs you or songs or whatever whatever those things are that calm you down it's different what was it for you? For me, it was... The comfort. Yeah, for me, it was the Word of God. Thank goodness I didn't turn to food. That is a thing for people. Actually, Eric gained uh, 50 pounds. Oh, wow. In uh, that year. Uh, because because your mechanisms, you know, yeah. whatever comfort is, is going to get you through. And yeah. so for me, it was the Word. It was ministry. It was like, time is short. Like, as if I'm not compelled enough and don't have a reason to tell people about Jesus... All of a sudden, it was multiplied. I'm like, I'm the Energizer Bunny. And, uh, you know, so I was like, time short, y'all. Come on, TikTok, you know. And uh, they're like, oh, okay, relax. And it's okay. I'm like, okay. But so, yeah. So it, it just kind of, it just pushed me to be more compelled to make sure whoever I met knew God. I knew their story. Whether they accepted God or not, that was up to them. But I was like, do you know Jesus? Like, I was right right there. There was no, hi, so how's your spiritual life? I would immediately, I would go to that. Like, it it lifted a lot of this other stuff that 
The shallow. Yeah, I was deep end. I was deep end right away with people. And it must have been uh, a little overwhelming for them, but (laughs) I'm glad I mellowed. But it was nice for my family to see the church, the church that I was involved in at the time. They were here bringing meals and people coming and praying. And I think it was my brother in law who said, These born agains, wow, they know how to do funerals. That was his comment. So they at least got to see the structure of the church and how it works. (laughs) And I just thought, great you know cause, yeah they were bringing meals and they were you know I would open a card a week later and there'd be a check in it mm. or or there'd be a little uh, verse or there'd be something very comforting and the neighbors in our neighborhood put little luminaries one of the neighbors uh, bought a star in his name so people were really speaking their love language to me and it was touching every single moment so mm. I, I promised myself that if I was ever in this situation where someone else was going through, I would I would make it my aim to try and meet a need uh, mm. without being asked. So I think people in grief aren't gonna ask. They don't even know what they need. No. So they're not they're not like, you know, I'm grieving today. I would really like someone to make me a meal and, you know, I don't ever want to vacuum ever again. So can you come over? You know what I mean? You're not you're not thinking like that. Oh, I should call somebody to come and just sit with me because I don't want to be by myself. You don't think like that. But those people appear. So there'd be people that come, oh, I just thought I'd come and just sit. Mm-hmm. I, I have a book report I have to do. I thought I could do it here. Is it okay if I... You see? Mm-hmm. Because they moved past that. Because yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I needed. So it was very tangible. Like oh, yeah. the comfort came through tangibly through people oh, just yeah. stepping in and taking care of things like food oh, and yeah. present, just yeah. being present. Yeah, the the, the present. And then uh, I think it was my sister uh, went to Hawaii. I didn't want to go, but my other sister was there. It was a good trip a year later. Like I didn't, I, I had to get out of, you know. The routine. The routine and then just kind of, and then I had a friend, uh, her husband bowed out of a, I think it was a cruise, and so I went with her, and it was fun. You know what I mean? Like, people, come on, you have to come with me. My husband's like, oh, okay. You know, kind of, they knew old Jane, and I think what it is is when you know someone's song and they forget the notes, Hmm. you have to sing it back to them. And so when they were singing it back to me, I was catching, oh, yeah, that that is me. I would like that. Hmm. You know, they knew me. So you have to have people that know you. Otherwise... You know, that's hard. So those are the moments for you in the grief, the journey of grief where sometimes you get lost in the grief. Oh, yeah. And other people sang the song back mm-hmm. to you of who you were mm-hmm. to help you find your way through. And one of them was your fun. So one yeah. of them was a cruise. Yeah. And another like one was you're a, the fun girl. You're the one that brings the fun. Remember, you like to laugh and have fun and do. But you, I think the song, When the Things of Earth, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That I had to remember that I'm kind of that party fun girl and the death of a person, a death of a dream, a death of an idea, a death of things, a thousand funerals in our lives and summer people. Mm-hmm. I can't not be that because I bring joy to people. I enjoy firsts. You know, it's your first time ever? I want to go do it with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I really like that. I like to be part of that. I like... I like that. I was like that before Jesus, but leading people on the wide road that led to destruction. 
So now I'm that person on the narrow road <laughs> that leads to life, but I'm still that. I'm still that. Come on, let's have fun, you know, which mm-hmm. can be for some people like, enough, I'm done. <laughs> we just stop. It's too early. Yeah. I don't want you to be that. But that's, that's my personality. God made me this way. So it took a little rest, but I was able to laugh again and smile again. I watched comedy movies because... You know, it's a reflex, right? It's like, that was funny, you know. And and would my son, like, my son thought that was funny. You know what I mean? So you can't never laugh again and only cry and be in grief, you know. But in the in the West, we have to get over it quickly, and I don't think that's right. It takes a different amount of time for everybody. And in the olden days, you would wear black, so people at least knew, and they could be tender to you and mm-hmm. respectful, you know what I mean? Now, the widows... The widowers, the, the those that have lost, are standing right beside those that have gained, and nobody knows. I find it interesting, like, you're talking right now about the journey of grief, right? Mm-hmm. And these things you experienced on it, mm-hmm. on that road. But you mentioned back there was a journey through the forgiveness process. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a one-time thing either. No. So what were, like, you had that moment yeah. where you forgave him, like, you knew that that's what you were yeah. meant to do. Yeah. In fact, you said the word immediately, and before I I jump into that question, the thing that I read this morning that that really grabbed my attention, I read read in Matthew 25, where Jesus is telling the story of three servants who he gives certain amounts of money to, Mm -hmm. while the the master does this, Mm -hmm. this is a story of a master doing this, Mm -hmm. that he gives three of his servants money, certain amounts of money to invest while he's gone. Mm And it says of the first servant, immediately mm-hmm. he takes the money and goes and invests it mm-hmm. and, and listens to his master. So I just found that mm-hmm. very interesting that that word really grabbed my attention mm-hmm. of the immediacy of this servant's obedience to his master mm-hmm. and then the fruit mm-hmm. that came out of that, mm-hmm. of how he got back double what mm-hmm. he invested his master comes back and says, I'm going to give you much, much more mm-hmm. for your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And so um, you had that a moment like mm-hmm. that, a faithfulness, and immediately you forgive oh, yeah. this this kid. But you also said it, it wasn't just, it didn't just happen right well, then. Yeah. So what was the journey like? So I think what it is, immediately, yes, obedient, immediately, yes, I'm concerned about him and his thing. But I still went home to an empty house and looked at my son's room, and it was, like, empty, you know, so it was like, oh. So you relive the story, and in reliving the story, you have to add that forgiveness thing. I forgave the boy who accidentally killed my son. I forgave the boy who accidentally... Now, where the enemy, on the other hand, is like, why are you forgiving this person? You haven't been... You know, you you have this double mind. You have this legal mind. You have people whispering in your ear, like... You should have, could have, would have done this. And then, then that the guilt and the shame and all this other, I, if I was a better mother and I was home earlier or he wasn't on his bike or he was wearing his helmet, you know, then I had to forgive myself. Wow. Then I had to forgive the street and the bike and the, you know what I mean? Like, think about every circumstance in this. Mm. No, it's yours, God. You're, you are mighty. You are just. One day it's all going to make sense. Today it makes no sense. But I forgive. I choose mm. to live in the active forgiveness of people, places, and things mm. that happen to me or that I 
do. And I'm I'm the first one to ask for forgiveness now. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like if I if if, if I recall something and I go, oh oh, I, I might have overspoken, I might have said something, I might have done, and I go to that person right away because I've been forgiven much. I want to forgive. Yeah. Much. So. When you're talking about that, you said that the enemy comes in and starts talking. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the lies that he starts to whisper and get you to pay attention to? Well, to why are you letting it? him off so easy? Hmm. And that's where the enemy, you know, he, he dabbles in truth, but he twists it or distorts it or, yeah, you know what I mean? And then when I got to interview him for the book, when we wrote, you know, when he t- tells his part of the story, because I asked permission this whole process. I didn't want to, to write the cover book. him and to write the book. And he got last view of it. Hmm. And if I said anything in there that, you know, you don't want in there. And and I, so when we got more comfortable with one another and he felt more confident to be able to tell me the story, he said the minute he hit him, he saw a bright light. Wow. And so we can say, well, maybe it was your headlights hit the bike and it was white, but but the way he said it was like a beam like the Luxor. Like there was a light, this bright light. What did that do for you when he said that? It it gave me it gave me a good feeling like my son was with God. But I think in the beginning I was maybe you know, how we always say how wonderful people are that have gone, you know, I might have overdone it because I'm a grieving mother, and, you know, I think somebody said to me, well, he wasn't perfect, what the heck, was he Jesus? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry, you know what I mean? <laughs> because you're just dealing with it, you know, and you want to remember all the best of them, and, you know, he was a teenager, you're right, you know, he wasn't perfect, and so I had to realize my son wasn't perfect, uh, that I wasn't a perfect mom, that this was an imperfect world, and there's sin, and a fall, and there's death, and Satan created that all, and he's attacking me. And then God is saying, rise up, I want you to lead others to me. And then, you know, we talked about Audible sometimes, you know, I heard in Tahoe years before, grow my church. Mm. Those three words that came. I'm like, okay, because this is a family you know, and if you only have two people at home and one of them dies, you've got the smallest family in the world. But when you're part of a church and a community and you're loyal and steadfast love in that, you've got many, 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 many. And that's that's how we should be. We've lost our way, but I think we're getting better. Maybe mm. COVID will help us realize how valuable it is to have mm. that group of people that even if your family of origin is all messed up, your family in this church is at least working on those mess ups and trying to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have I have those dear friends that were there for me in the moment, um, saying the right things because they followed Jesus. The ones that weren't following Jesus were saying things like, "You should take medicine," or "You should you should move," or "You should." This is the home. This is where he lived. Mm-hmm. Why would I leave my home? But it's not haunted. You know what I mean. <laughs> beautiful place. God lives here. So many, many decisions that are made in grief are not the right decisions. But if you you stay close to the Master and you immediately forgive, you're you're clean. There's Mm. a cleansing that happens. And not say it with your fingers crossed behind your back, but if you realize what you've been forgiven, I think you understand forgiveness maybe better than other people. I'm sorry, or I forgive you. When you don't really, you're just... Going through the motions. Yeah, you're just saying it because it's the right thing to say, but you don't feel it at all, and you're bitter and 
turning inside out and you know I don't want to have I want to be clean one particular gift that you mm -hmm. shared mm -hmm. was that by forgiving mm -hmm. this kid you got to hear more of his the story from his perspective mm -hmm. of what happened in this shining light right. that he saw, yeah. right, that brought comfort. Yeah. What are some of the gifts that you experienced, other gifts that you experienced mm -hmm. through forgiveness? Well, I think it's, there's, there's character gifts that have been given. There's... Um, like what? Like character? You know, because, because I'm a, pastor at a church, anybody coming in, the prodigals, you know, that are coming in, their stories could be sorted. Some of them maybe haven't had relationships with people. I get to be a mom for every son. Mm. So that mom praying in Iowa for her son who's been gone for 10 years, when I received that son, that's my son. <laughs> and I, you know what I mean? Like, so, so each child is my child. So the character was because you opened your heart yeah, yeah. to this kid yeah. who, by, by an accident, yeah. but still yeah. took the life of your son yeah. because you were willing to forgive and open your heart mm -hmm. to him in that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. God opened and expanded your heart mm -hmm. for even more sons. Because right. who knows those prodigals, maybe they hit a kid on a bike and they never got that forgiveness yeah. and their life spiraled. From there, and you know, you can always, when you're meeting those people that are, have had addictions, or th there's some broken something that happened, some wound. some wound that's really deep, and and you have the opportunity to to, to put it back. Mm. You know, so had that forgiveness not happened for that kid, who knows where I'd be, who knows where he would be, but I think it's uh, I think it's Corey Ten Boom that tells the story, or. And Frank, Auschwitz. Corey Tenboom. Yeah, it's Corey Tenboom, and she tells the story of how the guard who came to faith comes mm. up to her. I mean, I heard that story later. So she was in a she, she was in a concentration camp. Right, place. and this cruel guard, you know, has been cruel, but he receives Christ years later. Yeah, years later, and comes up to her, and she's speaking somewhere, and he puts his hand out to say, "Will you forgive me?" And she's like, Ugh. <laughs> "You know what I mean?" And then it's like it, it's that same moment, you know. I could in this kid's face that's what he needed mm. but we have to pay attention what do, what do most of us need? Forgiveness that's why salvation starts with forgiveness mm -hmm. the forgiveness of sin because we all have it Yeah. so that sin done to us or we've done needs to be forgiven the blood of Christ and so in that you experience that open heart the expanding heart of God right? Yeah. like you 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 experienced that for yourself, whereas the opposite that could have happened was not opening your heart and growing smaller and smaller and smaller until, like, it's just this shriveled... Yeah, yeah. dark, heart of stone. Yeah. And I, I think because I picture, you know, you, you come to faith and then, then you have terms like backslidden or I'm not following or send a win or, yeah, i got to work it out. He's my friend. Like, you don't take this so serious. That when you sin again, you're nailing the nail on the coffin. You know, I didn't want any nails in my bag. I don't mm. want to have a hammer. I don't want nails. I don't want weapons. I want to unload. I want to... My storehouse of weapons of mass destruction needed to be gone. Yeah. No more retaliation. That's not my job. No more 
holding on to some or justice or whatever perverted vigilante justice I think eye for an eye you know that yeah. thing that we all have right the right to take take my yeah my vengeance on you mm-hmm. is the world's way of doing things and forgiveness breaks that cycle right. and not only frees them but it, you said it, it frees us yeah. even more like you said I was released yeah. when I released him I was released yeah. and it breaks the cycle not only for me um, but as I grow and be healed Mm-hmm. then I'm living out of a healed heart and then I'm opening up and loving other people right. which allows them to receive that love and then forgive other people. So you, you in a lot of ways, broke the cycle not only for yourself mm-hmm. but for all the people around you right. who you see as sons and daughters and moms mm-hmm. and fathers who are hurting yeah. it opens your heart to receive them. Yeah. And... And help them break the cycle, yeah. and so it continues to grow outward. That's right. that's mm-hmm. the kingdom right yeah. there. The, the multiplication of the kingdom. Yeah. And and therein lies forgiveness. Actually, destroys the victim mentality. Yeah. You have victory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have victory over over what happens. Yeah. Right. And over the the hurt and the grief, you've let it go, and you've let the person who hurt. You unintentionally, intentionally, who hurt you, you've released them. Yeah. And I think of forgiveness for me as the idea of when, when I re- when I have released somebody, when I forgive them, mm-hmm. I evict them from from yeah. my mind and heart. The person yeah. who said those mean things, yeah. who did mean or did mm-hmm. callous or in, you know like insensitive, mm-hmm. said insensitive things. Mm-hmm. When I forgive, I let them go. Yeah. When I, I evict them. Yeah. When I don't forget, when I don't forgive, and I hold on to unforgiveness, they're living rent free uh-huh. in my mind and heart, Absolutely. saying all the hurtful, mm-hmm. mean things that they always mm-hmm. said and did. Right? They're just wandering around, stomping around, breathing out all that stuff yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. And so when I forgive, I evict them. Which is great, because the space of your heart and mind is supposed to be God's. Mm. And any other thing that is mm. in there is competing for that. Mm. So if we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, what is zapping your strength? What is zapping your heart? What is zapping your mind, your soul? Com- competing ideas, competing people, comp- anything. But if the fruit of the Spirit, and we had talked about that earlier, mm. if that's the gauge for your character and God growing you to be more like Jesus, more his perfect idea of who you are, those characteristics need to come to the front or bubble up, be first fruits in your life, not later on. So something happens and then a week later my self-control comes out. No, it needs to be coming out now. <laughs> I have to have self-control in this moment. Immediately. So, yeah, immediately. That immediate word it's there yeah yeah so good and there's the power right Mm -hmm. when we release oh yeah we make room like you said for god to fill us with Mm -hmm. all of the fullness of who he is you said something earlier that we're all incomplete we're all broken we're Mm -hmm. all hurting father sons mothers daughters right Mm -hmm. and yet 
when we release all of that stuff to God, Mm -hmm. we allow his completeness Mm -hmm. to fill us. Right. And we're always going to need it because we're always, we're never going to be at a point where we have it together. No. Not even in, you know, for all of eternity. Right. We've always found life outside of us. Adam and Eve in the garden, there was the tree of life. And everything. And it was, but it was outside of them mm-hmm. that they had to receive it. Mm-hmm. And so we were created incomplete mm-hmm. to constantly come to God and be filled with his completeness. Right. And, the, and forgiveness is a powerful thing because it releases all of the stuff we're holding on to, mm-hmm. which is all really incompleteness, to be filled with God's completeness. Right. And if I have something in my hand and I'm holding it, and I won't let it go, and it can't be replaced with something better. Mm. So I have my hand on this thing, and I'm just holding it, I'm holding it, I'm never going to let it go because it's the most important thing. God's like, open your hand. I have something better. Mm. So that open hand, uh, it's great. Yeah. You don't have to hold anything. Yeah. He's holding it all. I, my analogy for that is a little kid that found this really nasty little penny under the refrigerator <laughs> and the gunk yeah. under the refrigerator, and they're holding it in their hand, they're getting ready to put yeah. it in their mouth, yeah. and their parent comes and tries to pry it out yeah. of their hand, and they throw an absolute fit, mm-hmm. right? Throw themselves on the floor, do not want to release that thing. It's like suddenly it's become everything in their yeah. life to them, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally there's this huge fight, and they, the parent finally pries it out of their hand, takes it, and the kid's like, felt he feels or she feels like they've lost everything mm-hmm. and in that open hand their parent puts a lollipop <laughs> and everything changes yes. and it's only in the releasing mm-hmm. that something better like you said yeah. can come in and i think you know god made us emotional beings but there is knowledge and truth that is beyond emotion that moves and changes yeah. So when you know truth and you're, you're living your life in truth, by truth, for truth, even if your emotion is off, live the truth. Take that one more step. Live the truth. Live the truth. God says this. I'm not feeling it. God says it. I'm going to do it. Mm. So that's a step at a time. That's awesome. Would you pray Absolutely. for other people mm-hmm. who uh, need to release? Absolutely. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your goodness and that you are truth and that you are justice and you are also mercy. And so, Lord, you are perfection. And in our imperfection, we try to be you some days. And uh, that doesn't work out very well. So I just pray if there's anyone listening uh, that they would hear you and they would hear my beautiful birds (laughs) and they would... uh, they would realize that holding on to this unforgiveness has been harmful to them. Uh, Perhaps it's taken away relationships or it's hurt them financially. It's hurt them in their mind, in their heart, in their soul because there's a piece of darkness that's hanging on and you just want to release that. So I pray for whoever it is, Lord, whatever was done to them or whatever they did, if there's something that they just can't let go of, that you would open their hand and that they would allow you to open their hand and replace that with something better. That once they release that person, place or thing, that they forgive and it's complete and it's immediate 
and they are restored and made whole. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Kurt, you had said something. Yes, uh, I sometimes will have people reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or my email, Jane, J-A-Y-N-E, at SinCityChurch.com. If someone just needs to talk or ask, what are some steps? How, help me. I just can't. I don't want to, maybe, or I can't. I don't know how. Help me through. Talk me down. Help me with this thing called forgiveness. I'm willing to talk to anybody about that. That's awesome. Would you give the email just one more time? Jane, J-A-Y-N-E. used to be Jane, J-A-N-E, but when I became a Christ follower, I thought you had to change your name like Saul to Paul because I didn't know he was... Roman and had a different name, so I added Y for Yahweh. So J A Y N E at SinCityChurch.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jane. This is amazing. Oh, thank you. I love you and I so appreciate you. Love you too. I hope we have you back on again. Someday. Well, I hope so. <laughs> That'd be great. Whenever I can get back to Vegas next. Yes. <laughs> we could do it online. <laughs> That's right. We yes, could. We, we could. Can. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, before we go, there are a few things you might need to know. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, if you have questions, you have concerns, you want help with anything, or you want to support what we're doing, you can reach us at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page simply called Life Hurts, God Heals. You can like us, follow us, and then you can make comments or ask questions there. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Take care.